podcast. It's Friday, March 26th. I'm here with Stuart Gibson. Stuart, how's it going? We have a little bit of a crazy slate tonight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the post-trade deadline fallout, there's a lot of teams that are shorthanded, factor in some uh, you know, key injuries to notable players. And uh, yeah, just going to be a ton of value on the slate. Uh, some guys, you know, we have high confidence in other uh, guys who are projecting a strong value or in somewhat fragile situations. Uh, yeah, it should be an interesting slate. Um, so yeah, excited to dive into it and talk it with you. I had a classic DFS sweat last night. I had uh, a train of four players in first place and I'm in second place. And I have Ubre. I'm 1.75 points behind. And Ubre takes a shot at the last minute that hits the rim and goes out. If the, the difference is uh, I take first solo if that if that shot goes in. So that was that was a pretty crazy swing. Oh man, yeah. Um, yeah, there there seemed to be one popular lineup. I think one of my I had a lineup in that set. It was like Bear, um, I don't know, I forget the exact of it. It was like Barrett. Pretty much the key though is you had to have Rashawn Holmes instead of it was like Holmes, Zubach, not Paul George. Um, I don't know. Hero was in there. Barrett was in there. Fox, of course. Um, yeah, and there seemed to be a stat, a train kind of towards the top. Um, not sure if that was the one you were behind, but um, it was. It was an interesting night last night for sure. Um, okay, so jumping in today's slate, um, key injury concerns. Harden. We just have to wait and see. Um, I have no lean as to whether he uh, goes or not. Um, we did project that well on the podcast on Wednesday. We got a lot of things right, I have to say, on Wednesday. Um, Doncic fade, Harden sitting, Fox. Uh, we got a bunch of things right on Wednesday. Um, so today, what other... What other injury situations? Miami um, is going to be super thin if Butler is out. That's an illness, so it's going to be hard to predict. And yeah, that that rotation will be a little a little crazy if he's out. Yeah, there are a number of cues. I mean, that the Butler one is big, and we saw, you know, Miami is thin as is, pretty much trading away. Uh, you know, some of their role players and then some of the guys that they returned, well, specifically Oladipo uh, is not active, Akpala, who they typically have available in kind of emergency uh, situations, isn't going to be active. So that's a key one to keep an eye on. Uh, Norm Powell, I mean, I think is an interesting one, like with Lillard already ruled out, uh, Powell is a pretty high usage guy. And if he does not go, uh, looking at pretty much McCollum just leading the way, for that team, if, if Powell does go, I mean, historically, when Lillard's been out, McCollum's been uh, projectable for super high usage, but with Powell in there, uh, does figure to cut into him a little bit. Uh, let's see, Sexton in Cleveland is questionable as of now. That uh, could be relevant for Garland. Uh, Green questionable for Golden State. He's not really so much a high usage guy for them anymore, but Nonetheless, his absence could uh, open up a little more opportunity for, uh, you know, Wiggins or Ubre. Those are kind of the ones I let's see. I'm seeing, uh, and then of course, you know, we've gotten a number of guys who we already know to be out. So 
Lonzo Ball has been ruled out for New Orleans. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was quite productive in his absence. In their last game, uh, Kevin Porter's been ruled out, or I'm sorry, is doubtful for Houston. And with the departure of Oladipo, that figures to open up uh, pretty much primary usage for Wall. Olenek and Bradley are probable to play for Houston tonight, uh, but don't see that being a huge concern for um, Wall. And then the big one, I mean, the, the game that I'm kind of tracking, it doesn't have a great total, but with Orlando shipping away, uh, you know, Vooch and Gordon, and then now Terrence Ross has been ruled out. Uh, guys like Gary Harris and RJ Hampton and Otto Porter aren't ready to go. Uh, Orlando, Portland, and Miami are kind of looking like three teams that are super thin uh, tonight, and some of the pieces that they have returned uh, might not be ready to go. Some of the pieces that they've held, like, um, you know, Butler, you know, it's unclear if they're going to play. So those are kind of three teams where I think there's a lot of trade deadline uh, induced kind of value potentially opening up. So uh, those are kind of three, three teams to keep an eye on uh, and see how some of the current cues are, are going to shape up. Uh, Cause I think there, there could be a lot of value open up if, you know, Butler or Powell are, are out. Yeah, Miami is a very interesting one. They do want to try to win this game. Um, but Butler, if he's truly sick, he's sick. So he might not go. And then you'll have a very condensed rotation. Um, and we saw last night Nun and Hero getting there in a huge way. And it's really not impossible for Nun. Uh, Hero and Robinson to all get there in a big way, which seems crazy, but it it's just it is possible. Um, and Bam uh, did what he should do, um, so we might have a situation where uh, we break our rules and play multiple people from the same team if that if that news breaks the right way. Um, so let's let's jump in. Okay, um, Devin Booker is a guy who uh, we do a great job of getting right. Um, our projections usually pinpoint him on the right nights. Um, we have him as a lock in our optimals. What what supports that? Yeah, so it's a. Uh... It's a pretty decent total for Booker. I think of Toronto as being one of the more up-tempo teams. And, um, you know, uh, Phoenix, I, I think of as being kind of down-tempo. So trying to find spots where, uh, you know, like Phoenix's opponent is, is, is likely to raise the pace of that team and kind of Booker's offense. Figures to be a good spot. So, uh, you know, Toronto is kind of slightly below league average in terms of pace. Uh, sorry, Phoenix, rather, slightly below league average. Toronto, uh, slightly to healthily above league average as far as pace goes. Um, so that, 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 I think, is probably a supporting uh, component there. Uh, you know, the, the total doesn't hurt. Um, you know, Booker's usage has been uh you know, quite, quite strong. I think, you know, he is, uh, 
Paul, Paul is, you know, a very reliable guy, but I think Booker still is kind of maybe not so much the, the straw that stirs the drink, but uh, just the, uh, you know, kind of the deferred scorer in that offense. So, um, yeah, that's probably the strong, the strong indication behind Booker. Yeah, 1.3 multiplier, fairly healthy multiplier. Um, another lock in our projections is Michael Carter Williams. You mentioned how thin Orlando will be. Um, usually when we have a 1.8 multiplier guy, their, their outcomes um, tend to be uh, very dispersed. In this case, I would say that he has a pretty tight range of outcomes um, and he's a pretty safe cash game play, also a good tournament play. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one eight guys that I, you know, sometimes fear is like when it's a, um, you know, not starting player who is thrust into the starting role or sometimes like, you know, for example, like we had Tyler, uh, Tyler Johnson the other night projected quite favorably and, just kind of missed that, you know, Brooklyn decided they were going to go with Chris Chioza uh, at, at point guard more than, and than Tyler Johnson and, you know, decided that they were going to run Alizé Johnson in his first game uh, for 30 plus minutes. So there, there are lineups and kind of players that sometimes have uh, just lots of uncertainty uh, with Carter Williams. Like he has, I think regularly been in this, uh, you know, starting point guard role. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just simply like there, there aren't enough bodies there to really push him out of uh, possibility of getting up over 30 minutes. I mean, I think the, the area in which kind of there's some uh, fragility is just like, is MCW going to be the primary usage uh, player in that offense? And I just think given that Vucevic is gone, who, at times can be, I mean, frequently is kind of their uh, highest usage player is out. Gordon can be high usage at times. Uh, Terrence Ross, when on the floor is particularly high usage, like all of the highest usage players on Orlando have either been traded or are inactive today. A uh, guy like Porter or Harris, you know, these are guys that could soak up usage, but like none of these guys are playing. It's just, uh, you know, MCW, some rookies, uh, you know, some noted kind of low usage veterans like James Ennis and Kim Birch, uh, you know, it's just like someone's going to have to take shots for uh, Orlando, given how thin they are. And yeah, I mean, there, there's fragility in that, you know, Dwayne Bacon could uh, just have the game where kind of he is feeling hot, stroking it and just taking most of kind of the Orlando possessions probabilistically it just seems like mcw is so likely to be kind of the focal point of the orlando offense and you know he's a he's a confident player he, you know try to score try to distribute so um yeah i mean we we just see him as having a high minute ceiling high minutes floor and uh just likely high usage for you know a team that just is quite thin and you know it's not an impressive game total or, uh, you know, Orlando's not like a super impressive team, not like Portland is a terrible offense, but, you know, this, this isn't like baseball where teams get shut out. You know, the, Orlando's going to score 
some points. And um, yeah, I mean, MCW just feels to be the most likely candidate to have, uh, you know, a high, high share of team production. So to summarize the guard discussion, uh, we have a night that is going to be quite chalky. Um, we think Michael, Michael Carter-Williams will be justifiably very popular. We think CJ McCollum will be justifiably kind of near lock territory. And we think, um, according to our projection, Devin Booker is a, a good play. Um, so we kind of have guard locked up with McCollum, Booker, Michael Carter-Williams. And it's a situation where other fantasy sites um, will be in agreement, uh, are likely in agreement. So um, let's take the discussion from there. In a tournament, where, where would you deviate? And in a cash game, who is most likely to drop out of the optimal lineup? I'll just, I'll start the discussion by saying that we do need to watch um, the Miami news a little bit, and we do need to um, say that uh, Dwayne Bacon is currently in 30% of our optimals, and um, he would be a natural tournament pivot where you could drop my Michael Carter-Williams out and play uh, Dwayne Bacon. Um, I don't think that'll be especially popular. Um, so who do you see as the most sensitive in, in the guard positions um, or, or who might you drop for tournament purposes? Well, I'm going to want to pay attention to how Dallas is preparing their starting lineup without Doncic. Um, I could see like Jalen Brunson being super popular and I don't, you know, guys like guy like Brunson, I think kind of has this bimodal outcome where, as we're MCW, I think just has a really stable role in kind of the 30, probably even 35 minute range. You know, Jalen Brunson could easily play 33 minutes. I think he could just as easily play 24 minutes and Dallas decides to go with more Trey Burke than they do uh, Brunson. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I think Brunson has some fragility. I think a pivot off of Brunson, who I would expect to be popular, could be uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at the same multiplier level. Uh, we have THJ projected a little bit ahead of Brunson. Um, I feel like people really like playing Brunson when he, uh, like when Doncic is out and he is uh, in a starting role. Um, so THJ would be, I think, a guy to potentially key on at the guard position, um, we're kind of low on Anthony Edwards, given the hot, the, you know, he's down at 1.3 X. So, uh, you know, that would potentially be a guy to stay away from, uh, we have as of now, uh, it'd be interesting to see how ownership reacts to the changing price on Edwards. Um, who else? I mean, if, if Sexton gets ruled out, I, I have no problem going back to Darius Garland. He's at 1.65x. I think that's a good multiplier for him. But uh, yeah, I, I do. I think that the Dallas situation is a good one to pay attention to. There's, uh, I think it's a good matchup for Dallas. Like Indiana is up tempo as where Dallas is slow. So uh, 
if we expect them to kind of meet in the middle as far as pace goes, that's going to be a pace up game for Dallas, a pace down game for Indiana. Uh, Porzingis is projects quite well. I expect to be quite popular um, given that he's at one, three, five, and some of these guards are at in the one, seven plus range guards referring to THJ Brunson and even like Josh Richards, Richardson have no problem going to Dallas guys. Uh, I think figuring out the right Dallas backcourt or kind of swingman guy is going to be potentially pivotal. Um, you know, if, if a lot of lineups are going to go Porzingis plus Brunson, uh, potentially going Porzingis plus Hardaway, I think could be compelling. Um, I don't know. Richardson, to me, he, he feels like uh, kind of like P.J. Tucker-esque and that he's always on the floor a lot, but a pretty low usage guy. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there are paths to him being a little more productive uh, with Doncic out. But uh, to me, Hardaway would be the guy to key on. Um, and Hardaway is uh, forward eligible with court, with guards so strong, there, there would be a reasonable case for playing him at forward. Um, so kind of, it, and I'll just finish the guard discussion by saying that uh, Trey Young in a decent game environment at 1.25 multiplier is always a, a, a reasonable tournament play. Um, so going over to forward you you do have the option of playing the the three chalky guards uh carter williams booker and mccollum and then taking hardaway um at the forward spot we think um that porzingis is also a good forward option um so that would be a fine cash game play wouldn't you agree to have hardaway and porzingis in the same lineup yeah definitely and i think you could go tournaments there too uh Hardaway's multiplier is so high. Like he doesn't have to have a massive uh, game. Like you probably got to get 30 plus points out of Porzingis, but you can, you can live with like 20 Hardaway points. Granted, he is not super productive really doing anything other than scoring. Um, but I don't know at one seven, five, you don't need like a massive, massive game. Uh, I, I think, and, 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 you know, Assuming that Hardaway plays in the second unit, I think you're going to get enough uh, split time where, you know, either Porzingis or Hardaway are on the floor. I'm sure there will be some minutes where they overlap, but for the most part, I, I feel pretty good about playing Porzingis and Hardaway in the same tournament lineup even. But yes, I, I think, I think a, a perfectly, you know, fun cash pair as well. If you did uh, take them in the same tournament lineup, um, they they have the fourth highest total on that game with a tight spread of one and a half to Dallas. Uh, if you did take someone coming back from Indiana, uh, who would you take? Um, I'm probably just going to defer to our projections on that one. We don't seem to be super high on any of the uh, Indiana guys. One, two is a pretty, you know, hard price for, for Sabonis. Um, I guess he would be the preferred option, um, but don't necessarily love, uh, love, you know, I, I think it's a fine, uh, you know, I think it's a fine value, uh, but I, I would say that 
Yeah. I mean, if you're building like 150 lineups, I think having some Sabonis is, is likely to, you know, be how, how it shapes out if you're using kind of reasonable bounce. Um, but as far as like hand building a few uh, tournament lineups, I don't necessarily know that I would feel that I need to bring back an Indiana guy. Um, Cause like, like I said, like Indiana plays fast and, I would expect Dallas to slow Indiana down, Indiana to speed Dallas up. So I'm more inclined to roster guys that are on the side that's going to be sped up relative to their prior kind of baseline than take the side of uh, players who are going to be slowed down relative to their team's prior baseline, which is the camp that all these Indiana guys are going to be in. But Sabonis would be my preferred if, you know, if choosing one. Um. Who else is jumping out to you at, at forward? We um, we have a good bit of Gordon Hayward coming through optimals, uh, a little bit of PJ Washington, a sprinkling of Kuzma, Ingram. Who um, who are some of your favorites? I guess uh, at a bio, um, is he? Do they have him at center only today? Yeah. They, Oh, he's powerful and eligible. Yeah, I mean, Adebayo Ad- Ad- would be great uh, if Butler doesn't play. Um, I think he's still viable even if Butler does play, but not like, you know, lock status. Like if Butler doesn't play, you know, Adebayo, I think is cash game lock. You know, I, I don't really ever like locking uh, a player in tournaments, but, you know, Adebayo would be pretty close to it. Um yeah, I, I think you could go with some like Bacon, you know, you mentioned has dual eligibility. Uh, Kuzma for LA, just been playing a lot of minutes. I think he's a direction you could go. Ingram has been, uh, uh, he, I feel like in, in, when I've played him recently, he's been kind of a weak point in lineups, but we're still projecting him favorably. <clears throat> and with no Lonzo, you know, it figures to be a high, uh, you know, kind of elevated usage night for Ingram. He, he might be the primary ball handler there for New Orleans. Uh, so those would be some guys maybe keep an eye on. Um, so Bacon, we would be playing him in cash games. It kind of sets up nice to have a low variance night. I, I think if you have uh, two Orlando guys and um, and two Dallas guys. Um, and I think Bacon and Carter Williams are a fine play in the in the same lineup. Um, who who do you like for for tournaments at the forward spot? Um I don't I don't know that like Kuzma will garner too much ownership. Um, you know, he's got some double double potential. Uh, you know, can can score threes, get kind of a half point, or I guess in his case, 0.75, a uh, little bonus for three points. Uh, that would be maybe one guy to keep an eye on. I think ownership at that price point will probably gravitate towards uh, Hayward or Washington, who have been wont to let down, I think, in recent, uh, in recent games. Um, Boy, to be honest, I don't know much about this guy, Chuma Okeke, but he has uh, been in the Orlando starting lineup. So I think could be a pivot off of 
like MCW or I'm not so sure that bacon will garner a ton of ownership um, or definitely not as much as MCW, but Okeke could be, um, you know, a, a deep kind of guy who look, I mean, I, in these, in these games where like teams don't have anyone, like we saw it the other night with Brooklyn, like screwy things can happen. You know uh, you think uh, with Brooklyn just depleted, it's going to be like Jeff Green and Joe Harris. And instead it's, uh, you know, Chioza and Alizé Johnson. So, you know, Okeke could be one of these guys who stands to benefit from kind of like a, a chaos uh, outcome. So do we, do we know much about um, Okeke's um, distributions? So Innis is in a, a sprinkling of our lineups and I would advise, well, with Superdraft, the way Superdraft goes, I would advise sort of not playing him in either cash or tournaments. Um, the reason I would advise that is because he's not, he doesn't have much upside. So he'll just sort of barrel, in, in my opinion, in, in a situation like this, he will, for cash, he's not great because he'll, he'll um, never make your lineup, but he could occasionally. Uh, really hurt your lineup just based on the the fact that this situation is tough to predict. And in tournaments, uh, I wouldn't play him because I I don't think he can ever like exceed the field by a, a, a good margin. Like I think his probability of getting in the in the top three forwards on the night is uh, relatively low. Um, yeah, so his his usage ceiling like isn't very high and i'm and i'm kind of seeing that with okeke now like i said i i just don't know much about uh some of these deeper orlando guys but yeah i mean the problem with ennis is like he rarely exceeds uh like i mean he never exceeds really 20 percent usage uh he's kind of always around 15 looks like kind of the same case for okeke so uh i don't know i i might uh i might backtrack on that thought there um I mean, like Giannis is a guy just given the low multiplier, I probably want to stay away from. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't love playing these low multiplier guys. Uh, Harold's multiplier has come down a good bit. He's a guy that we have projected favorably, but he's down at 1.4x as Rakuzma has remained at 1.5. Wiggins, another guy we've had favorable projections on, but his multiple, like, I, I do think Superdraft's pricing has become more sensitive to recent performance in, uh, in the past few weeks. So like guys like Wiggins who, you know, would kind of leave uh, meat on the bone for, you know, weeks at a time is kind of coming down pretty quickly. Christian Wood uh, is down to 1.25. So, yeah, I mean, it does, it does feel like just in general, kind of a thinner night uh, at point guard or sorry, at forward, uh, you know, of, of the forwards to be excited about. It's really mostly these flex guys that are like forward center or guard forward. Uh, there are a few true forwards. I think that I'm like super excited about. Uh, I, I, I sneaky tournament play. It's too bad that his, his, uh, multiplier is not higher, but uh, Covington against this new Orlando lineup, when you get the multiplier on the steals and blocks, it's always good. And he can, he can average close to two steals and blocks per game in good matchups. And um, 
you just never know with guys that have a little bit less experience. You, you can take your chances on a good steals and blocks nights from, from Covington. Yeah. Yeah. And a good three point shooter too. So um, yeah, it's just tough. I mean, what is he? One, one, four, I think one, four, five, no, one, one five, 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 five. It's not, okay. it's not a great, it's not a great multiplier, but he could, he could just have a, a steals and blocks night. Yeah. Um, center. Okay. Bam is uh center power forward eligible. We like him a, a good bit if Butler is out. Um, we are a fan of Gobert. Um, Gobert, eh, there's some blowout risk there. Um, who else Who else are you liking? Would you trust Gobert for, for cash tonight? Would you play him in cash? Uh... I'd have to see how the rosters fill out. I mean, I, I much, much prefer Porzingis as a cash play, but uh, if it makes more sense to slide in um, Porzingis at forward and, and use a true center uh, or, or do like two of uh, Bam and Porzingis, I, I think I would prefer like of, of Porzingis, Bam and Gobert, I think I would prefer uh, the you know, Bam, Bam and Porzingis. I think it's really going to be a question of how, um, you know, how, how the forwards fill out such that, um, you know, are, are they pushing one of Porzingis and Bam to center or do we like, I guess the question really is, do you like Gobert is, is less of, do we like Gobert more than Porzingis and Bam? And is it like, do we like Gobert more than, uh, one of the Charlotte forwards or more than, you know, Hardaway Jr. or more than uh, like Dwayne Bacon or Kuzma or something like that. Um, our projections say Gobert is preferred to uh, some of these other guys. I could see though that changing if uh, Butler gets ruled out and we have to uh, increase Bam's usage a good bit. So I don't know if Butler plays, I think Gobert is, is cash game viable. If, uh, if Butler is out and Bam becomes kind of a cash game lock, uh, I think I would guess that lineups, uh, our, our lineups at least, will gravitate towards omitting Gobert, running Porzing, either Porzingis or Bam at center, and then filling out the latter two forward positions with uh, some combination of like a Charlotte guy, uh, Hardaway, Bacon, something like that. And for tournaments, um... Who are some plays you like? Uh, Allen, Allen's got some great upside if Sexton is out. I was I watched all of his last game and uh, he just looks he he looks energetic. He's he's got some strong upside. I think uh, if Sexton is out, yeah. Um, another guy that we don't have a super you know huge projection on, but I think is always a strong tournament play is Capella. And uh, I don't know historically teams haven't really you know, Golden State can kind of force you into this small ball type approach, but with Wiseman, now they do have a true center that, you know, teams can kind of match up with. And Capella, I think, is athletic enough where he can, um, you know, I think have a productive game, even if Golden State does go small. Uh, and of course, Golden, Golden State's going to play super fast uh, and create a few extra possessions for Atlanta. Uh, so Capella, I like a good bit as a tournament center. Any other uh, centers that you think are tournament relevant? Uh, 
Yeah, those are the ones that are jumping out to me. I mean, I think Jokic is a is a fine cash play at center, but I, I really just I don't love playing these these one one x one point zero five x type um, type guys. Aiton, I feel like is probably a healthy stay away at this point. Um, he's wrecked a lot of uh, my lineups so far this year. Uh, Turner uh, at center. Uh, He's, I guess, a power forward kind of center flex, but could potentially be in play. He's got strong block upside at 1.55x. Um, I don't know. That's probably where my where my list kind of drops off. I've got a last question for you on the day. Um, typically, our, our lineups have uh, guys – with higher multipliers chasing Giannis, who tends to be chalk. We don't play Giannis so often. Um, is tonight another night we're avoiding Giannis? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of just going to let the optimizer do its work. I would, I like, I, I almost always put in some sort of rule, like give me no more than one player in the, you know, one to 1.1 X multiplier range. Uh, I, I mean, I would say Giannis is currently our favorite among, uh, like if we went Doncic, who I guess won't play. So of, of Giannis, Jokic, and Towns, Giannis is my favorite. Um, there's our projections favorite within that range. Uh, but I'm going to try to prevent my lineups from loading up on uh, some of these guys in the 1.05 to 1.1 range. Uh, so yeah, I think just given how much value there there's going to be on the slate due to some of these roster turnover uh, situations and then just injury to stars like Doncic and Lillard, I, I would guess probably a night with not a whole lot of Giannis, not a whole lot of Jokic, not a whole lot of Cat. And like, I don't know, I, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, my, my thinking about these low multiplier guys is they have more value on the small slates because there's just fewer guys at kind of like the one, two and up range that can chase them down. And on a big slate like this, I mean, it just seems unlikely that Giannis is going to have the output that is needed to beat out, you know, I don't know, like 10, 10 plus forwards who are all good, uh, you know, and project quite well at a multiplier that's, you know, I don't know, 30% more than his, something like that. Uh, it just, it just seems like a taller task on these large slates. So I, I, I would say probably a good night to be light on some of these low multiplier guys for tournaments. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. That will do us for today. Uh, we will be back with an NBA pod on Monday.